This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Why not um, start off with a bit of a controversial topic? Um, it comes up quite often at kids' church. So I hope that you guys have thought about this and I hope that you have um, experienced this before. But it is, in fact, the rules of UNO. Um, I just have a few things to clarify with you this evening. Um, I hope that the person next to you also agrees with you. Otherwise, it's going to be a little bit awkward for the rest of the evening. But who believes that you can uh, end Uno and you can win Uno with a wild card? Wow. All right. All right. And, uh, and who thinks that you actually cannot end on a wild card? Like you have to end on a proper card. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, okay. Okay. This was quite controversial in the news in 2020. Who plays by the rules that you can stack up the draw cards? Like, you can stack up plus two, plus two, plus four. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, no. We didn't like that one. (laughs) Okay. So, um, if you haven't got any cards, okay, you've got no cards to play with, and you then pick one up, can you then play that straight away or do you have to wait until your turn happens again? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Well, Uno, it's a very controversial game, right? It's the way that we have brought up, been brought up in the way that we have actually played it with our family and with our friends. And so the way that we play this game may not be the, the way that our person plays the game. And that can cause a bit of controversy when you're playing the game, right? So this is why we have an incredible resource called Instructions. Oh, <laughs> So therefore, I would like to confirm with you this evening that you can, in fact, end on a wild card. It's actually written in the rules and you can, you can look that up if you'd like. And apparently, which I don't agree with, you can actually pick up a card that you haven't got, you haven't got a card to play with. You pick up the card. You can actually play that straight away. Didn't know that. You, I always thought you could just wait a turn. So instructions, they actually allow us to see the original intent behind the creator's design. So we are given these instructions so that everyone is on board with the rules, everyone's on the same page, and they can have the freedom in knowing that the creator has made these rules because they want us to have the most fun as possible while still making it fair for all players involved. So tonight... We're going to unpack how maximum freedom will always be found under the authority of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity that I have, that you can just speak through me, Lord. Lord, I pray over everyone here tonight, Lord, I pray that. Um, Yeah, you just speak through me, Lord, um, and that people's hearts are just so open to hear um, and uh, and their hearts just change for what you have to say, Lord. I pray all this in your holy and mighty name. Amen. So tonight we'll be looking at the purpose behind the law that has been given to the Israelites. 
So we know that Moses was called by God and, the, and to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So they're now at the foot of Mount Sinai. And as the people of Israel, they stood in awe of this mountain, they heard the voice of God introducing himself to them. So we're going to open to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 6, if you have your Bibles or your digital Bibles with you. It says, Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or is that on earth beneath, or is in that, sorry, is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the inequity of parents to the third and the fourth generations of those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. So tonight, sorry, so after this, we see a whole list of specific requirements which form the basis of Israel's covenant relationship with God, as we now know to be the Ten Commandments. So what's the point of these commandments? Well, these commandments were to govern Israel's relationship with God. These commandments were the requirements with which God placed on His people of Israel to establish and maintain the covenant relationship between them. The people of Israel were devoted, devoted themselves to God and God alone. So after God states these commandments, he then goes in verse 24, uh, which says, You need to make for me only an altar of earth and sacrifice. On it, your burnt offerings and your offerings of well-being, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. I will come to you and bless you. So these commandments, they were designed to to lead Israel to practice a life of holiness. So in them, people could see the nature of God and His plan for how they should live. The commandments and the guidelines were intended to direct the community to meet the needs of each individual in a loving and responsible manner. Through these commandments, God showed His people the true function of His beauty, of His laws. So now, as we take a look at the context in which we see that these laws were given, we can now understand that, um, sorry, yeah, we can now understand that they were not created um, to keep Israel from something good. These laws, they were created to protect the integrity of the relationships that God had. The relationships with each other, the relationships that they had with God and the relationships that they had with themselves. So as we begin to understand this, we see that these laws, they reflect God's grace towards His people. 
These laws, they don't contrast His grace. Like all of His commandments, they were given to help His people live a life of freedom, to live a life of grace. So just like the game of Uno, the game does not work if everyone plays according to these different rules. The laws of God, they're similar. They provide the Israelites with a framework for their identity, for their purpose, for their safety, and for their care within the community. They allow Israel to function in the world that they live in. They were given never to restrict, but to provide structure, identity, and purpose to this nation as people of God among the nations of earth. So maximum freedom is always found under the authority of God. So I want to preface something before I continue any further tonight. The law was never ever designed so that you can earn a right to a relationship with God. The law was given as a gift of God's grace. God made a covenant with the entire nation of Israel while they were staying at Mount Sinai. This covenant, it formalised the relationship that God would have with His people. So in keeping this with the form of the ancient treaties and the law presented, it created this type of relationship that God could have with Israel. And at the beginning of the law, God reminded the people of his faithful character and the way that he cares for them. So tonight, I'm going to propose two questions for you to sit with and for me to unpack and for you to dig in a little bit further. So question one. Why should we choose to live under the authority of God? Through the obedience to the law, the Israelites could live out their identity as holy people in contrast to their neighbours who didn't really have the same faith as them. They were the object of God's relentless love and had become His special treasure which we know because that can be found in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 to 6. It is through the law that the Israelites were given a unique insight into the way that God designed His people to function, how they can relate to one another and how they can approach Him. So living under this law It allows us to see and it allows us to know exactly who we are in Christ. When we are connected with God, we can see who He is, who He's created us to be and how He sees us. We can then feel free knowing our identity in Christ. The distinctive way that these Israelites were um, would also, they would also um, serve to show the surrounding nations the glory of God. Other nations were meant to look at the Israelites and be drawn to them and go, there is something different about them. That is because they have a relationship with God. They know who God is. They abide by Him and they follow His instructions. Do you think that people in your life say that about you? 
Do you think they say, oh, wow, this person, they clearly show God's love. How do you act? How do you speak? How do you live? Does it reflect God's character? Do you live out the fruits of the Spirit that we are called to live out? Do you position yourself for God to work in you and through you every single day? Living under the authority of God, it means to abide in Him. Jesus commands us to abide in Him just as He abides in us. And what does abide mean? It means to connect, to depend and to continue with Abiding in Jesus means to connect with Him, to depend on Him and to continue your walk with Him. He knows what is best for us. We live a life, sorry, if we live a life in constant communication and under the authority of God, we will live a full life of freedom. My second question to you, why do we struggle to live under the authority of God? Coming back to the Israelites, the Israelites had just come from Egypt, which was a land of many idols and many gods. Israel had so many gods because each God represented a different aspect of life. So it was kind of common for them to worship so many different gods in order to get the maximum number of blessings. So when God told his people to worship and believe in him, that wasn't so hard for them. They're probably like, oh yeah, that's easy. That's just one more God to add to the list. No worries, can do. But when he said, you shall have no other gods before me, that would have been a little bit more difficult for them to accept. Can you imagine this for a second? The God who saved you from the evil wrath of Pharaoh and who saved you from slavery. He works incredible miracles right before your eyes and you get to a safe place. He who brought you to a life of freedom and all He wants for you to do is to trust in Him and Him alone. And yet you still choose other idols to put before him. That sounds ridiculous, right? Surely you would put the one who called you out of darkness into this marvellous light first, right? Above all else, right? How often would you rather get an extra sleep, an extra hour of sleep, than spend an hour in the Word of God in the morning? How often would you say yes to catching up with friends on a Sunday night because ah, church will happen next week as well? How often do you hide your faith when someone speaks poorly about God or other Christians? How often do you say, oh yeah, I will pray for you and then never get around to it? Do we really love mercifully? Do we really act justly? Do we really walk humbly? Do we apply this to every aspect of our lives, our conflicts, our finances and our aspirations in life? 
creator of the universe who sent down his son to die for all of your sins, to love you dearly, to love you deeply and to work all things for the creator of God. He called you out of darkness and yet we still make excuses and put other things before him. We live under the authority of something else. This is why God made it his first commandment because he knows that we will put others' stuff before him. He knows that we will put our fleshly desires before our earthly desires. That is the sinful world that we live in. But God calls us up and out of that. He calls us to do higher He calls us to do more. He calls us to do greater things. Today, we can allow so many things to become gods for us. Money, popularity, work, social life. All of these things can become God. We can concentrate too much on them for our personal identity, for our meaning, for our security, No one sets out with the intention of worshipping these things. But by the amount of time we devote to them, they can grow into gods. They can ultimately control our thoughts and our lives. Don't let all these other idols rule you. We are ruled by God's grace. It is only when we allow God and God alone to rule over our lives. Not social media, not opinions of others, not our exam results, not our work outcomes, not our finances. It is only when we allow God to rule over our lives do we then get to live in total and utter freedom. If we don't trust God to have the authority over our lives. A lot of the time when we hear or we see or we are reminded of these rules, we often think, "Mm, maybe God's trying to hide something for us, from us. It's this sentence here that turns that obedience to God to mistrust in Him. Israel continued to go through this cycle of creating their own gods because they did not trust in the Lord. They did not trust in the love that He has for them. We too, we do this often. When we have unanswered prayers from God, we lose our trust in Him. When things don't go according to our own timeline and we think, oh, God rocks up late. We don't trust in Him. When we hear about all these horrific things in the world with school shootings and wars and natural disasters and hurt and pain, we lose trust in Him. We start to question His goodness and we start to question His love for the world. So if we begin to lose trust in God, how can we trust Him to be our authority? How can we trust that He wants what is best for us? How can we trust that He's not holding something good from us? Well, 
Friends, we have seen in the Bible, Bible, we have seen in the Bible time and time again how God loves His people, how He continues to show up, how He always comes in at the perfect time. We have seen His favour. We have seen His grace time and time again. We have seen the transformative power that His grace has over the lives of people in the Bible and in the lives of people around us. His grace truly changes everything. And if we live under His authority, we will live a life of freedom because that is who God is. We are instructed to be ruled. We are instructed to obey. And yet we fall short of that. We still don't abide by the rules that God has given us. Why do you feel that you don't follow God? Why do you follow God in some commandments and yet don't follow other certain commandments? It's because you don't think those rules are now relevant in today's society. Do you think they're a little bit outdated or do you not trust God to follow in his ways? Why do you not trust him? Is it because you don't know him? Because you don't know his goodness and his pure heart and his pure love? In Proverbs verse 3, verse 5 to 6, we are called to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and lean on Him on your, instead of your own insight. Talk about true freedom. We have to trust in Him and He will make our paths straight. So my question to you tonight is, do you trust Him? Do you trust in the Creator of the universe? The Creator of everything that you see in this world? The Creator who knows how many hairs you have on your head and who knitted you together in your mother's womb? Do you trust Him? Because it's not until you trust Him that you will allow yourself to be ruled by His grace, living a life abiding in Jesus, abiding by God, the one who created you. You may be thinking, well, what if I don't trust Him? What if I'm struggling with this? How, how can I trust in God when it seems like I have no hope left? What if I no longer find his authority relevant in my life? I want to encourage you today that God is still with you in that. He still loves you. He has never left you and he never will leave you. He still loves you despite the fact that you may lack faith, that you may lack trust in him. We will always come back to these questions. We will always come back to having seeds of doubt in our minds. This should not discourage you. But it should encourage you. God wants to hear of your struggles. 
He wants you to call out to Him. He wants you to name your fears. He wants, to name, he wants you to name your concerns, your doubts, and He wants you to pray into them to see what God has to say about them. There is no amount of doubt or mistrust or discouragement that can separate God's love for you. This is grace. This is God's grace. This is why it is so important for you to know God's grace. Despite all of these practical things that you can do for God, you should not, um, you should not achieve or earn the grace of God. That should not be your outlook because that's not how it works. But letting go and receiving His love. It is by the grace of God that you are forever loved, that you are forever cherished. It only takes the faith the size of a mustard seed for you to receive and for you to know this grace for the outcomes that could be truly life-changing. To trust in Him, to have faith in Him, is to live under His authority. And it is only through living under God's authority that you will live in freedom. It is not until you live under God's authority that you will live in freedom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your love. I thank You so much for Your endless grace, Lord. I thank You so much that there is nothing that we can do for You to make us, um, for You to love us any more or any less, Lord. I thank You so much for Your love. I thank You so much that You want what is best for us, Lord. I thank You for who You are and I thank You so much that You sent Jesus down to die for us, Lord. And we, Lord, we just thank You for the grace that You have for us, Lord. We pray that throughout this week, You help us to live under Your authority, Lord, because we love You and because we trust You. Lord, I thank You for tonight. I pray all this in Jesus' holy and mighty Name. Amen.